Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. I was going to say happy Monday. Uh, we got a nice little President's Day break, but happy Tuesday to all of you guys. And uh, Bump, I'm glad to see your beautiful face again this morning, as I am happy to see yours, Curtis. Very happy to see you guys We're again. beautiful, Bob. How was everyone's we weekend? We is. You know, no one's ever called me beautiful before. Really? Handsome, maybe. Aww. Cute sometimes, but beautiful. I get beautiful I a lot. That. I know Mostly that. from my mom. It's every day. Yeah. <laughs> the text lines tell you all the time. <laughs> How was your weekend, Bob? It was uh, It was a good weekend. Saturday, I was traveling between here, Bothell, and Kirkland. Um, kids had basketball games, soccer games. Uh, watched some XFL Sunday, traveling again for games. Monday, had some stuff to do around the house. Yeah. You know, I organized my garage because my wife tends to collect things and then they sit there and mm-hmm. then I go in the garage to work out and it drives me crazy. So I had to get organized a little bit. I down can't there. even hate on it because I do that too. And then I'm like, it's just extra decor. It's just <laughs> for when the seasons change. This is my fall decor. I'll take it out in the fall and then I'll put it back. There you go. I have a question. Uh, Curtis Will is a little too young to play sports yet. So I can't wait for you to get involved in this. But Bump, your All kids right. are old enough to play in like little league sports. Are you the parent that loses their mind? Uh, or is there another parent there that does? Like, nah. does that happen? Does it actually happen? Oh, yeah. None of my friends have kids that are old enough. Parents lose their stuff all the time, especially soccer parents. Like, they go nuts. When the boys get around 12, 13 years old, they get crazy. I sit back. Sometimes my wife, she gets mad at me. She goes, you're too calm. This, They're they're screwing us. What the heck? Then I go, look, there's nothing. We're this guy's getting paid $25 for this game. Am I so really going to get on Some of them are uh, volunteers. Yeah. And half the time, it's a 17-year-old. I go, I will scare this kid if I tell him how I really feel. And it teaches your kid. In life, things aren't going to go your way. Deal with it. That's a that's too calm an approach. That's too <laughs> rational and mature Soccer an approach. Soccer parents, notoriously, the worst when yeah. it comes to uh, no, what I wanna, with officials. What I want to be able to see is uh, not only parents losing their mind, but remember that story that went viral not long ago about parents at like a Gio little league? Uh, oh. um, no, it's parents. Like a bunch of parents were gambling on games. Whoa. And do you on remember this? Sports? Wow. No, on I youth do not. sports? On youth sports. I need to find the story. Don't, don't take my word for it. <laughs> This, this, I mean, the story exists. This was the thing we had in the timeline, but it was like a year ago. Um, and it was uh, parents at a Little League, I want to say Little League baseball tournaments. Mm. Um, and they were gambling. Like, they were all, like, betting amongst each other and, like, taking money. And there was, like, a pool of money. And it was this, like, obviously unofficial ring, but it was, like, within the parents. That seems kind of fun. Right. That seems kind of fun. Obviously, it seems they, like they've they got, got gambling problems. What they've got? If you're betting you're, on youth sports, can you imagine betting against your own child? You're like, oh, oh Timmy, it'll be okay. It like it'll be totally fine, and not really, you're taking. You got to be real. Uh, baseball parents are the drinkers. They will drink during the game. There's a lot of time to drink. I kind of bet on my son today. I mean, on the weekend, my brother-in-law. We're sitting there watching the game. Our son's playing on the same team, and my son gets shot shooting a three. He goes to the line to shoot three. He goes, how many do you think he's going to make? They'll go push-ups. I go, oh, he'll make two out of three, 25 mm-hmm. push-ups. He made two out of three, so I'm, you know. That's a little gamble it's a there. Little, it's a 
a little different. That's yeah. all in good fun. Uh, well, in addition to you going to youth sports events, our first weekend without football still brought a ton of fun sports moments. Um, we have a lot to get to today with the Seahawks, a lot to get to today with the Mariners and some Kraken stuff as well. So I wanted to start kind of combing through the stuff that we're not going to spend too much time on later, but we all have some takeaways or some observations. And I know you guys watch so many of these events because guess what? Sports are still ongoing. I know the Super Bowl is over, but plenty of good to come from the weekend. The Genesis Invitational. Congratulations to John Rahm, who earned his third PGA Tour victory of the year um, in five starts on the tour. Any guesses as to how much he's made? Um, I think I have Life an idea. Life of a golfer, let me tell you. I have what. an idea. What's your idea? Your I'm going to say he's made around $3.5 million. He has made $9.2 million. $9.2 million in five starts. In five starts. He has quite literally secured the bag. Yes. He's, Good job, John Rom. Man. Unbelievable. Um, everyone, of course, waiting to see how Tiger would finish. Uh, he was one under 283 for the week. He's said that uh, he wants to play all four majors, but he's going to have to see how his body, especially that right ankle, responds to treatment. What do you think of the Invitational? I know you were watching oh, anyways because yeah. you're a golf fan, but you also love Tiger. All over it. Big ups to John Rom. He's clear, clearly the best golfer in the world right now. Max Homa did his thing. I'm watching Full Swing, so I'm more invested in Jordan Speed than Justin Is Thomas right now. Yeah, it's pretty oh, good. Okay. I can't wait to start it. I was going to do it today. But obviously the focus was on Tiger Woods. And my thing is, look, when Tiger Woods plays, you think he has a chance to win. It's not likely. He's 47 years old. That ankle's jacked up. We know it's not likely. But what does he do on the very first hole? He goes down and he birdies that thing. And I'm like, okay, let's get it. Come on, Tiger. <laughs> Every time do you think, like, this is it? I'm like, this is it. <laughs> That's how good he is, is that he gives you enough sprinkles of magic to make you think that he's capable of doing it. But then he goes on. He bogeys number four. He birdies number eight. It was up and down for Tiger, but he played well enough towards the end of this thing, for me at least, to uh, to keep me locked in, to make me think when it's time. Because he's ramping up. I don't th- really think he wants, of course he wants to win. But he knows, like, look, I'm getting ready for Augusta. I'm yeah. getting ready for yeah. the Opens. This is just my warm-up. So if you take it for what it is, I think Tiger showed you that he can still compete with the best in the world. But he's going to need some help because Rom is on a- another level right now. What do you think about this? Uh, I found this quote. It was um, listed in a Yahoo Sports interview with, um, is it Kramer Hickok? Hickok? I'm not sure. Sure. Okay. He's he's slightly lesser known golfer. He's 30 years old. He was playing behind Woods. He finished better, but I mean, Woods was like not in the cut and Hickok was like 29th or whatever. So Mm -hmm. you don't need to know who he is. You just need to know that he's around our age and uh, and many of the ages of uh, people listening and grew up like idolizing Tiger Woods. So obviously he's a big fan of Tiger, um, but he said if Tiger can shoot four under on a Saturday, it means he can do it again on a Sunday and then he can do it four days in a row and get up near the top. I would not be surprised if he wins this year. Seriously, I would not be surprised. I wouldn't either. The swing looks hard. The thing about Tiger is he doesn't hit a lot of fairways. And if you're watching Tiger and you're getting frustrated that he's not hitting fairways, you ain't been watching his whole career. This dude scrambles. So if he wants to really get in it, I think he hits a few more fairways, less yeah. scramble, get that putter game right. There's enough for me to keep believing, Stace. Thank you to the Mac and Jacks text line for reminding us that Bump shot a 77. I, I'm going to move on 77. now. We, no, we you know what I stop. shot on Saturday? Sunday? I shot an 80 on Sunday. Wow. I'm getting there. Getting Is that back in the a 77? Form. It's not 77. Yeah. I didn't think so. <laughs> Let's get to the 2023 Slam Dunk Contest. Congratulations Murder. to 76ers Matt McClung. That final dunk, it was like a 360 plus another 360 finishes over signals. It's that makes done. It a, that makes it a 720. It's a, it's a classic 720. <laughs> classic 720 spin. 
the crowd reactions, players' reactions. Giannis was my favorite, but there were plenty of people uh, reacting to Matt McClung dominating the slam dunk tournament. It was the f- most fun that they've had in a while, I thought. In a minute. In a minute. And let me say, I've been following this young man since he was in high school. How? A ball is like mixtape legend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> House of Highlights. This guy's been everywhere since high school. Everywhere. So I've been following this dude. He went to Texas Tech, right? Um, then he was with the Lakers for a little bit. But there's something that I need to say right now. Okay? We celebrated two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. We did. We did. And, you know, we, we celebrate these things. For all the white men who cannot <laughs> jump or think they can jump, this is for you. I'm happy for you. Celebrate this. Man, my dude, Matt, looks like he's 46 years old already. The face of a 46-year-old, the body of a 25-year-old. White men can jump. This is your day. Celebrate. Thank you, Matt. Matt McClung out here, his kids in college rooting for him. <laughs> so happy for the guy. he so old, though? <laughs> I don't know. It's just a vibe, man. He's just out here representing, you know? Hey, representation matters. Representation matters. matters. It really matters. <laughs> we got it. Okay. Uh, moving on. Last one here. Now, we are going to talk about this. Okay? We are going to talk about this a bit later. Uh, that is the XFL. We're not going to spend a ton of time, but at 1245, Bump, I know you got sock, uh, sucked into it, so we don't need to have all our reactions. But the Dragons, your Seattle Sea Dragons, lost. Those pesky D.C. defenders. We saw the good and the bad of Bentonucci or Curtis as they say in Italian, molto triste. That's how we felt after this one. Very sad because we saw Ben look great. We saw Ben look bad. Yeah, Ben, um, he had some moments. He made some throws where he looked like a guy who had a little chance in the NFL, but then there were just some um, some dumb decisions. But to start the game off, right, you get that scramble backhand to Josh Gordon. Nice to see him get into the end zone. He was their second leading receiver. My favorite thing about this weekend, especially the Sea Dragons, is Pearson. They were the, he was their leading receiver. He had 14 catches, I believe, for 95 yards. He's a guy who made the team off the street just on a tryout and just showed up. I love that. He ran a 4-2 off the street, ran a 4-2, got an that. opportunity. I know you can. You I ran a 4-2-1. That. Easy. easy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he's, he's one of the stories of the league. This is why you yeah. love this. You have yeah. both. You have the quarterback who played in the NFL. You had the receiver who had more yards in a single season than Randy Moss. Just couldn't get right with the league rules. And then you have the guy who was – on the street, when we say on the street, he's not necessarily walking the street. You know what I'm talking about. He runs a <laughs> four isn't two. Saying he's, yeah, he's he wasn't like homeless or anything. But if he was, even if, if even he greater was great, story. Yeah. And he runs a four two, and he leads the team in receiving. But that Danucci, he that Danucci. fumbled the ball when he had a chance to um, win it. It was rough. It was rough. Uh, there's going to be more games played. Uh, we did finally see on so on Friday we were trying to figure out what this fourth and fifteen thing was. Let me tell you guys, if you did not watch the XFL, that's fine. You can be forgiven, even if you're a football fan. However, if you are a football fan, you also know that in the end of games, when a team is desperate, desperate to be able to keep the ball to try to uh, move down the field and come back in and have this miraculous comeback, they need an onside kick. Curtis, do you stick around every time to watch onside kicks? No. Absolutely not, because you know what happens every time, Curtis. The uh, receiving team recovers the football. Well, the Yeah, exactly. That You never get a chance. The XFL has a rule where instead of doing that, this is, I think, only in the fourth quarter, you can do a fourth and 15 instead of an onside kick, and that allows you to convert. That is so much more fun. It is so much more fun, especially if it's only in the fourth quarter. NFL, I know it's like a crazy rule on its face, but this is so much more interesting than the onside kick. Let's bring it. Let's bring it to the league. 
I love it. Honestly, because fourth and 15, you're not supposed to convert that. Can you convert that? Most definitely. It's a, you know what you're, what the offense is going to do most of the time. 95% of the time, they're going to throw the football in that situation and you're backed up. So if you don't get, convert that fourth and 15, they get the ball right there. Boom. They can put you away out your misery right now. But the first opportunity we had to see it, it worked out beautifully. They go down, convert the fourth and 15, go down to win the ball game. It was exciting. Yeah. That was the most excited I was this weekend. So I I saw rules like that. I also saw the kickoff rule. I would modify the kickoff rule just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I would give um, the returner a bit more space or change the levels of everyone then on the line. Then how the XFL did it. Yeah. But I liked overall. Overall, I liked it. Yeah. But they're all on the same level, right? You yes. got 11 guys here, 11 guys there, or 10 and 10, and they're all on the same level. So there isn't really much room for a big return. I would back up one level, maybe three yards or something like that to create a bit more space and, and cause more happening. I mean, we've seen what's happening in MLB this year, which is literally things that they've tried out in the minors. They're yeah. rolling into the league this year. This is not the minors of the NFL, but I do wonder if years down the road if this iteration is successful which we've seen so many iterations of alternate leagues come up that Mm -hmm. aren't so i'm not you know saying that it will be but what i'm saying is there are always fun ideas and i like it and i hope that the nfl warms to it um i i have been called out by the mac and jacks text line and it's fair what happened it's very fair uh the 206 hey what about dk he was the MVP in the NBA All-Star Celebrity Game. You are absolutely correct. I'm sorry that I did not give DK his roses. Not only that, but there was a video that went viral of DK Metcalf um, catching. He catches one pass and he like points like, hey, throw it higher. He jumps, I'm going to say minimum 20 feet into the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a rough estimate. And then he gets a, a, quote, random drug test. You think that was real? No, the drug test? No, the jump. Yes, I do. That was not real. Yes, I do. No, it yes, I do. You don't think so? No, Curtis, way. was it real? The no, that jump was what? not real. Are you no. sure? Positive. Yes. I, okay, I a went a million percent I went, positive. I went back and forth, but what of if course it's Stacey real? Thinks it's real. What? That's so weird. What does that mean? Of course, I think it's real. Yeah. What does it mean? You know what it means. I don't like what you're implying, Curtis. Uh, you're also taking away from DK, though, in general, because when we said DK was great at the All-Star Celebrity Game, you said, well, he's competing against... He's competing like, against all these celebrities that are like 5'6", five, 5'7". Okay, five, so he's the only one that can jump. He's the only always, one that can dunk. You're always taking away from people's accomplishments, Curtis, always. Yeah, exactly. You Congrats had- on, on winning a game against The Miz. Congrats on beating <laughs> Janelle Monet, who's like... Four foot seven. Okay, excuse you. If, She's like five three. If if DK Metcalf had played against other NBA players, that dude's getting bodied out there. Okay, this is a lot of disrespect, and I can't handle it. Almost, uh, someone also said three six zero. It was like a six foot vert, Stacy. Was it? Yes, it Stacey's. was. Okay, maybe I need to rewatch it. I saw it. You should have texted me it. as soon as this happened, I so saw, we can walk you through this. I saw it briefly on Twitter, and I said, "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> me and a bunch of me and a bunch of eighty year olds. Wow! <laughs> Did you see that? Bigger, Unreal. faster, stronger. Was it I'll for tell a you. commercial? Yeah, I don't know Stacey, what it's promotion for something. Stuff like no, that I've is why. No, I started digging the hole and I'm digging it deeper. Stuff like that is why we get sent quarterly here at work, like tests. To be like, don't fall for this trap online. Are you blaming me for the <laughs> HR tests we get for not clicking on links because I got us one virus? I yeah. got us one <laughs> yeah, exactly. virus and it wasn't that big of a deal. Other people have gotten us more. Okay, I would just like to say that <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not Twitter willing to. That one time. Okay, first of all, first of all, I got a Twitter message sent to me by an account that had a blue check mark. Okay, it said uh, Twitter no. verified, and then I read through the message after clicking like, on the uh-huh, link. Okay, yeah, I'm verified too. <laughs> 
It said we have gonna, to stick together. Uh-huh. It said we're going to take away your verification status. All these blue checks, bump. Click on this. I'm sorry. Oh man. Look, I sunk us. Let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bump and Stacy. <laughs> Headline number one, the Mariners holding their first full squad workout today in Peoria. Everybody's in town. What's the real headline? You know what this means. Complaining about beer prices is right around the corner, guys. It's right there. Let's go. I can practically taste my own annoyance as I... As I go to pay for my concessions at the ballpark, but I'm still very excited. I see $15 That's right, right now. $15 Standing a pop. in front of me. Um, it's getting there. It's being real. It this is. is a different type of offseason, too. Yeah, we had our moments where we complained that we didn't felt like they did enough, but they did make some moves, and they have us interested. Yes. They have us locked in. They have a core of a baseball team that's expected to win some ball games this year. And that's a feeling that I've never had as a Mariners fan. A lot of people's never never had as a Mariners fan. So it makes this offseason a bit, a bit different. You have a superstar in Julio Rodriguez. That staff is coming back. Everyone's adding pitches. You got some new faces there. I'm excited, man. Where's Shannon at? <laughs> well, actually, I'm glad you said that. Shannon and Dre are going to join us. Uh, today and one then o'clock. at one at one p.m. today at uh, eleven, so less than an hour away because we're going to start with some uh, Seahawks news. But less than an hour away at eleven, we're going to get to who needs to outperform expectations for the Mariners to make the playoffs in twenty twenty three. So excited for that because I want to look at some exciting potential with the roster, not just talk about what we wish they would have added. So we're turning the page. We're getting ready for spring, and we're talking Mariners. That's coming up at eleven. Curtis, what's next? <laughs> Headline rewrites. Headline number two, the Seahawks are expected to hire Rams assistant Greg Olson, mm. a rather unfortunate name, as mm. their new quarterback's coach. What's the real headline? Word is he'll take $8 million for the gig and promise one touchdown. Yep. Sounds about right for a guy uh, like that. Oh, I get it now. I see what you did. Because yeah. Greg, Greg Olson. And then Greg Olson. And then now, Greg, I didn't love I Curtis saying that 35-year-old Greg Olson is washed and old and decrepit. Decrepit where, was the word that you used. Where was the lie? That he's anything 35. That I said. He's not decrepit. He's, he was decrepit. Okay, well, you were roster. upset that Greg Olson didn't live up to expectations. Uh, bump. Greg Olson this, tried his hardest. This Greg this Olson. This Greg Olson has the <laughs> lowest bar to clear to be the best Greg Olson in Seahawks history, okay? Exactly. That's exactly what this is. Does you it, have nothing. You have literally the ground to clear, and that's all you need to do, Greg Olson. New Griggles. Bump, does it say anything that they are once again dipping into the Rams coaching staff? That's what you do. You go with what you're familiar with. And this guy's proven. I'm going to break him down more in four-down territory. But it, it makes complete sense. He's been in the league for a while. He's been a coordinator. He's worked with Shane Waldron. Uh, familiarity, that's what you go with. And that's a trend that we see during this time of year when guys are being hired and fired. Uh, so it, it makes sense to me. So I'm excited. Greg, um, he'll be the best Greg Olson to ever come through this organization. It's classy, Shade, is what that was. <laughs> it's factual, <laughs> too. <laughs> Headline rewrites. Headline number three, a mixed bag for the Kraken over the weekend. 4-2 win over the Red Wings at home, but a 4-0 shutty to the Sharks. A shark shutty, as it were, yeah, that's what yesterday. They call it. What's the real headline? You win some, you lose some, and sometimes you lose some ugly. Yeah, ugly to a team that has the worst home record in the NHL. Mm. Uh, it was bad. In the first goal, let you know what it was going to be a bad day. You got Yanni out of face off. He Hits it in front of his own net. I think Katore or whatever his name is gets credited for the goal. I saw that and I go, yeah, it's just one of those days. It's just one of those days. They're still trying to figure out how to do this, but um, 
behind in front of the net, man. We got a goalie, man. We got yeah. a goalie. Yeah. He's doing his thing. So he there's does. there's a positive there. About, yeah, Philip Grubauer seems to be back as the starting goalie. He's not a name that inspires confidence around here, but what do you make of Grubauer now kind of supplanting Martin Jones as the starter? I mean, if nothing else, it is the best case scenario if he does actually remain consistent, considering the money you have invested in his uh, yes. contract. You know what I mean? Like for a minute there, that was looking like the first big mistake of the Kraken era. And unfortunately, it happened in your very first year as an expansion franchise. If that can turn around and you can find a way to make it work, and as a team, you're better, right? So that's going to happen too because your defense, your own team defense is going to affect goaltending. And he was behind great team defense um, before coming to Seattle. And all of that's improving. So you see Grubauer improve. I think what we're looking for is consistency. Whenever I see Grubauer play well, I just think of that angry German man who was yelling at me and spitting in my beer. In Germany, telling me just how great he was. I saw the the jerseys and I go, I don't know, Grubauer goes, you listen to me. And I stood there for two minutes and I and I took it and I said, okay, I hope you're right. So wherever you are, German man, I hope you're feeling good about the lecture you gave me on Grubauer. I love that. I'm getting still dragged for briefly wondering whether the video with DK was real. I didn't closely examine it, you guys. I just saw it and I sent it to That's you. That's not briefly. You were thinking this for a cool, like, two okay. days. Now. Yeah, it came out on Friday. <laughs> First of it's all. Tuesday. I know, but I didn't sit and analyze the video. I just saw it and I thought, wow. And then uh, I've been told by the 509, DK's jump was about a 48-inch vertical for comp. MJ had about a 45-inch vertical. Okay, so Jordan doesn't have hops. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan can't fly. So Jordan can't fly. So Jordan can't dunk. That's what I'm saying from this. <laughs> Look, guys, I recognized my mistake. I admitted my mistake. We're moving on. We don't need to mention it again. We don't need to talk about how I keep getting fooled by you fake videos it and fake only email scams. As Bump and I pointed it out to you. And then you I gonna, recognized it. You were probably going around to all your friends over the weekend, like, oh my gosh, did you see this by DK? Mm, like, I showed maybe one uh-huh, other person. Uh-huh, okay. <laughs> Was kind of it was was crazy to see is DK looks so much bigger on a basketball court. I'm talking like his muscles. Yeah. So then you see him on a football field. That lets you notice how fit those dudes are out there because he looks big, but he doesn't look puffed up like the way he did on the basketball court. The only well, I shouldn't say the only time. One of the more noticeable times when someone who we know is a big player looked genuinely bigger than everyone else was when Cam Newton came to Seattle a couple years ago mm-hmm. when he was still like really good Cam Newton. Yeah. And it was, I, I still remember seeing it and looking down from the press box and just watching him look like the biggest, strongest person on their offense. It really was. I, I know that Cam Newton isn't everyone's favorite person, but I'm telling you, it was like something to behold when Those he was at his best. The kind of guys you put first off the bus. Oh, man. Let New, me tell you uh, what. Chancellor, too. Chancellor. Yeah. You standing around, and yep. he's not even in playing shape right now. He's still huge. All right. Still to come, every respected NFL mind has come to the same conclusion about Geno Smith. Have we? That's next. Bumpin' Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. A lot of people are saying the same thing, Bump. Now, a lot of people are saying, uh, for instance, that the DK Metcalf video could have been real. You know, a lot of people are saying that. Are, a lot of people, a are, lot saying people that? are saying that. A lot of people are also saying that moving forward with Geno Smith is a great idea for the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, I'm going to get a lot of texts. I can already hear them being uh, being typed up by uh, mm-hmm. you know by people's fingers right now, about to be sent in. Which is this is Geno propaganda. What it is is 
what I find to be the most fascinating conversation about the Seahawks this entire offseason. What do you do at quarterback? And we have sound from some of the biggest voices in the NFL telling us what they think we should do. We've had so many of these interviews bump that I wanted to go back with specifically their answers about Geno and talk about them. So I'm going to run through a couple here and then we'll react. First, Andrew Brandt, this was actually on with Brock and Salk on why it makes sense to keep Geno. It just seems natural. You know, it seems like the Seahawks aren't going to get into bidding, for like like you just said, in terms of those odds. They're not going to bid for those guys. And they're going to go with what they've had and what was successful for them this year. To me, this is more interesting to me is what's the deal, not who's the deal. Because as I study these quarterback contracts, there really hasn't been a middle market. You know, it's been rookie deals and backups making six, seven, eight million dollars. And it's been $40 million elite quarterbacks. Okay, so you have Andrew Brandt saying, hey, it makes sense to keep Geno. Keyshawn Johnson saying that he thinks Geno can replicate what he did in 2022. Yes, yes, he can, and you pay him the money. You may not pay him $50 million a year, but you reward him. And Geno Smith is better than any quarterback you're going to get in college right now anyway. He's better than, any, he's better than Bryce Young. He's better than T.J. Stroud. He's better than this Le- Levitt dude that everybody from Kentucky that they just <laughs> – they want to make him the the next coming of whatever. For real. Uh, he's better than him. He's better than Bryce Young. I mean, he's just better than Cusker. He's just seasoned. He's better than those guys right now. So I didn't say don't draft a quarterback. What I'm saying is he's your guy for the next two to three years. While that guy gets ready to take over. If Gino falters. Now, we're going to react after Max Kellerman's, though I have more cuts here, but I'm throwing in Max Kellerman's at the end of this first bit for a reason because Max Kellerman is saying more along the lines of what we've said, Bump, which is like, can you win a Super Bowl with Gino? Is Gino your franchise quarterback for the long term? I don't know, and probably not. Can he help you win games in the short term? Yeah. Pete Carroll clearly can win with Gino Smith. Now, can you win the whole thing? that remains to be seen, right? You do feel like you're not at an advantage if you're playing another team that's also good and well-coached, but they have a spectacular quarterback. But like Daniel Jones, although Gino has better receiving targets, it's one thing to say, well, he's just in a good system, but it's another thing to say nobody's playing it well, right? Gino Smith played well, Mm -hmm. at least what I saw. You guys are paying closer attention to Gino and and the Seahawks than I am, but, but, I thought Geno played well this year, and you can do a lot worse than Geno Smith over the next two or three years. Those guys aren't the only voices I have. I have more to get to. Going to take a quick second, though, Bump, for some of your reaction to what we learned from Keyshawn, Max Kellerman, and Andrew Brandt. My first reaction is no one can predict the future. Sometimes you get lucky, and you say DSS is going to be drafted, and he's drafted, you know? Sometimes you get lucky and you make predictions on the Super Bowl 38 to 35 like my guy Nate Burleson did. But for the most part, during this time, you're projecting. You're saying, I'm looking at what has happened in the recent past. I'm not going back eight years. And I'm saying, okay, this guy is going to give us a chance to win ball games, And then you compare him to what's available to the free agent quarterbacks that are out there. Then you compare him to the rookie classes that are coming in. I don't think it's fair to expect a rookie, especially when he's not going to be drafted early. You're going to get a rookie quarterback. If you do get a rookie quarterback, I think later than the third round, maybe third or later than that, you find a guy. It's not fair to ask him to come in and do what Russell Wilson mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. and have this type of success. So what these guys are doing, they are projecting. And they're not projecting off of emotion. 
They're not projecting off of him, just not liking the guy or looking back eight, ten years ago. They're projecting off of what they saw in the recent and his recent history, and that is a pro bowler, a guy who understands a game, and for the most part will keep you in a game. They're not projecting that this guy is going to win a Super Bowl. No one here is saying that (laughs) Geno Smith is going to win a Super Bowl. So what you try to do, you try to limit your risk. And I think going with Geno is probably the safer bet than bringing over a a car who doesn't know this offense or trying to draft a rookie early with your number five or number 20 pick and say, okay, you be the savior. Geno is the safe bet. It allows you to move this offense forward, continue to, to develop, and then bring somebody in under him to learn if need be. From the 509, Gino at 30 or Locke at 3? Locke all day. Funny you say that. Here's what Lewis Riddick had to say. Look, I, I think the gulf between what Drew Locke could do and what Gino Smith did, did this year to beat Grand Canyon-esque. Mm. I don't care how much they say they like me. I don't, I don't see it. I believe that drop-off would be so significant and so dramatic that Deron Payne... He better be Warren Sapp and Aaron Donald combined when he gets there. And Max Crosby better be Max time that he's already great. Mm. I, I, I just don't, I don't see that. How about Kevin Burkhardt? What does he think that Gino back-to-back is a no-brainer? To me, Gino back to Seattle is a no-brainer. It's, it's all about finding two things, the fit and the price. So for Geno Smith, what's the price? You know, it doesn't have to be $50 million like Aaron Rodgers is getting. Just find the right price. For Daniel Jones with the Giants, who came alive and finally had a good year, he had the right coach in a good system. They didn't have a lot of weapons, and he still had a very, very good year. They're going to bring him back. They're not going to, they don't have to pay him $50 million. Find the right, I don't know, is it $25 million? But he is the fit there. Because then if you move on, you're like, then where you go, right? They, we all know how hard it is to get a quarterback. And last one here that I'm just going to play is uh, if you guys are tired of national voices and you're like, well, they don't know the Seahawks. How about a former Seahawk who knows this team well in KJ Wright? The question is, it's not if Geno's going to get signed, it's when would Geno Smith get signed? And I think the biggest question that the fan base is looking for is, what's that magic number going to be? What can John Snyder and Coach Carroll and Geno all agree to? And I believe when you look at Geno, when you look at any player, that's up for a contract. It's a complete body of work, right? When we look at Geno Smith, it's only been one season of phenomenal football. And so I'm very interested to see, will this, will this be a type of contract to where you have a good base salary, but hey, Geno, we love you. You did phenomenal for us. Let's put a few incentives in here for you to re- reaffirm us, reassure us that you are the quarterback that we are paying. Again, Bump, none of these voices are coming out saying Gino was the, uh, you know, 32-year-old version of Patrick Mahomes. None of these voices are saying the Seahawks should look at one year of work and then pay Gino $50 million. All of these voices are saying, hey, Gino had a great season for the Seahawks. You know, why not? KJ saying it's not a matter of rather the Seahawks will sign Gino, but when they'll sign Gino, right? Like it'll right. happen. Lewis Riddick saying the gap between Gino and your second option and Drew Locke is Grand Canyon-esque. Uh, there's Max Kellerman saying you can clearly win with Gino. Can you win long term? I don't know, but you can win in 2023. Keyshawn saying that he thinks Gino can replicate what he did. Andrew Brandt saying it just makes sense to keep Gino on that middle of the market contract. Again, if you guys listening right now want to 
you know, the next best thing at quarterback? I do, too. The question isn't whether or not that's the best fit for Seattle. It's whether or not that option is out there in 2023. I don't think it is. I do not think it is just yet. If it is, I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love to be able to get a rookie in here who can throw the ball all over the yard and blow everyone's mind away, and you can have the second coming of Joe Burrow, and, and now we here in Seattle get to watch our own version of that player. I would love that. At number five overall, if you're not taking Will Levis, then you're taking um, probably like a project type guy that you're going to be working on. And why not have him learn behind Gino? But Bump, the reason that we included so many of these voices is because I see so many people on our text line text in, you know, saying like, oh, you, you're an idiot for thinking this. I, I feel like I'm just thinking about it rationally. And it's about the name you're attaching to the opinion. When you attach the name Stacy Ross wants to keep Gino. You think like, oh, well, I don't like Stacy. I hate that opinion. But attach the name KJ Wright. Attach the name Lewis Riddick. Attach the name Kevin Burkhart or Max Kellerman or Keyshawn Johnson or Andrew Brandt, Michael Bumpus, and maybe you'll feel differently. I think people listen to us every day, or a lot of people listen to us or chime in, and we have been big Gino advocates. And I think they think it's coming from a place of it's bias like personal, of yeah. where we like Gino as a person. I don't know Gino. I don't know Gino. I, I do. I watch him on film and I say, OK, we can work with this guy. So it's um, it's refreshing to hear other voices, other respective voices say the same things. And I think that people have to realize that 30 million dollars for what he's done is not a lot of money. You can still move money around. You have the eighth or ninth most most cap space before restructuring contracts, before releasing guys. You still have top two picks in the in the draft and uh, excuse me. Two picks in the top 20 in the draft in uh, 2020. So, uh, 2023. So, it's like, all right, I understand you guys thinking that there's something in Drew Locke. So, why not let Drew Locke? Okay, this is how I'll, I'll appease the people who want to see Drew Locke. All right, franchise tag Gino and let Drew Locke develop another year. What example has Drew Locke had to show him how to be a professional? You listen to Drew Locke talk. He says, Gino's taught me so much. I've learned so much here. And Drew might be gone. Drew's going to be on the market right now. Um, so I I prefer going with Gino. He's a professional. He's a pro bowler. He's shown that he can do it. Um, yes, I didn't think that he was going to be the guy, nor Drew Locke, but this is where we are today, and I'd rather go with a guy who's shown me that he can play than roll the dice on, on a young fellow who's unproven yet. We're going to get to this conversation. We've got Mariners at 11. A little bit more of this, though, because if you don't want to pay Gino $30 million, you have another option. That's next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Ross. Oh, my God. I love this conversation. We're going to keep having it. I'm adding a twist, though, Bump. We've been talking about what you do with Geno Smith. The most popular response that I see from the Mac and Jack's text line is paying Geno about $10 million below market value. Um, now, KJ Wright kind of took this approach during one interview with Brock and Salk where he was like, I don't know, maybe you pay Geno 15 or I forgot. the. Do you remember the number? It that- was uh, 20. 20. Yeah. Then KJ came back in another interview and said, okay, I might have been disrespectful with that number. <laughs> he, he, he probably just didn't know what his value was at the yes. time. That's why. And, and again, it, it's be, sometimes the market value is what it is. And what I mean by that is that it doesn't always follow the logic that you would make for the most sound financial decisions you'd make in your life. If I'm going to invest in something, I want to find like years of research that this is going to work or I want to know that other people are investing in it. I want to know that it's a safe stock, right? Uh, In the NFL, when careers are so short and everyone tries to win every single year because you have that much parity, you invest based on more short-term outcomes. And for Gino, that's what makes this so interesting because you're betting on a year. Who is one of the most sought-after or will be the most sought-after defensive linemen 
in free agency right now? Uh, Payne. Payne. Deron yep, Payne. Payne. All right. He had 11 and a half sacks this year. Mm-hmm. He's going to get paid about 20 mil. Mm-hmm. Year before that, four and a half. Year mm. before that, three. Year before mm-hmm. that, two. Year before mm-hmm. that, five. Mm. Before this year, he was an average defensive lineman. This yep. is just how the NFL works. You have a year contract year. You're going to get paid. This man will get $20 million off of one year. Ain't nobody tripping on and that. Do you, do you know how many people I see coming out here talking about Deron Payne signed to Seattle? I'm okay, saying. so let me introduce the twist that I wanted to throw into this that is newsworthy for you guys, and then we'll continue to have this conversation. The franchise tag window has opened today. Should the Seahawks use it on Geno Smith? That is a $32.4 million tag that's fully guaranteed. You can tag and trade, or you can tag and sign to a new deal. The deadline to sign to a new deal would be in July bump before you answer I'm going to throw in that I know neither of us think this is something the Seahawks will do mm-hmm. everyone's mostly following this news because of Baltimore but what do you think right um I wouldn't do it personally I would not tag Gino I try to lock him up for two to three years but if I could see the Hawks doing it, why wouldn't you? Okay, if, you, if you're not sure, if they just want to get one more year out of this guy or they want to tag him and try to trade him, this is what you do. You tag him, mm-hmm. um, you have the exclusive rights to him, and uh, you, you see what you can do with it. Because in return, actually, if you get the non-exclusive, then someone's able to bid as well, and then in return you might get two first-rounders. But I can see this happening because it's a scenario. You can't... You can't disregard scenarios, especially with a figure that's so controversial here in Seattle as Geno Smith. Everyone's saying what they should do with them. If you feel like you're going to go and get a quarterback in this draft later that you feel like is closer to being ready to go than most people think, I don't think Anthony Richardson is going to be ready to go. I think this kid needs two or three years. That's the quarterback out of Florida. I think he needs two or three years to develop. Um, If if you franchise Geno, you're going to get a quarterback that you feel is ready to go or you're ready to work one year with Geno. You make sure you sign Drew. Drew takes over. Now you have a quarterback in the wings waiting, but the Hawks don't carry three quarterbacks right, typically. Right. I'm just going through the scenarios for you guys. So I don't think that this is going to happen. If it does happen, that's a scenario, and that means some other dominoes are going to fall too. Well, and another thing with the franchise tag is it is all a one-year hit. It's a one-year fully guaranteed contract at 32-4. If you are paying Geno a contract where the average annual value is 32.4 million let's say you don't have to pay him 32.4 million in one year you can backload it when the salary cap the salary cap goes up every single year with the exception of when COVID hit so unless you're planning on another pandemic happening tomorrow you can count on it being higher in 2024 Mm -hmm. um and by several million so that's why teams also often backload that is because not only do I not have to pay it now and I can improve this year and take my chances this year, uh, but also next year that's going to be a lower percentage, right. even if it's the same amount of money or slightly more. I think that this is the point I want to stick with for the final couple minutes here. Bump from the 509. It's not what Gino can do. It's what Gino, it's what can Locke do plus a stack defense. First of all, can you get a stack defense in one year? No. Y'all, the defense is so bad. You need so many pieces. You aren't going to go out and buy 11 new pieces in free agency. Secondly, if you are closer on offense, why wouldn't you try to improve your defense and make your offense elite? You have two 1,000-yard receivers, a 1,000-yard running back. You had two great tackles. You've got a third round invested in your guard. You can go out and get a center. You can go out and, and find a new guard if you part ways with Gabe Jackson, which I'm not advocating for. I'm just saying that's one thing you could do if you wanted to do that. Uh, and you can bring back Gino. Your offense can be a top 10, top 5 offense with fewer pieces invested or you can go out and completely revamp your defense. So I'm just saying, like, I think we've seen one version of this team and how they won a Super Bowl. That's not the only path to a Super Bowl. No, this the defense has so much to do 
that I look at the offense and I say, you're going to have to carry this ball club. I look at Gino and I say, you're going to have to carry this ball club. I look at all the weapons that you mentioned on offense, the receivers, the running backs, and saying, you're going to have to carry it, and I think that you're capable if the defense just gets a little better. Now, how do you get a little better? You grab somebody on free agency. You go into this draft. You pick up a, a few guys. But you're like you said, you're not going to make this defense stacked on one year. It's going to be a slow grind. It's going to be a process. I say it's going to take this year plus another year to move some things around and hopefully get this defense to where you need to be. That's why you need someone on offense that you trust. And I think that's what a lot of people forget about, too. As a coach, you work with people you trust. And I think Geno has earned the trust of Shane Waldron and Pete Carroll. You can point to the second half of the season is what everyone points to mm-hmm. when I look at them on the text line saying that, well, Gino, Gino had a horrible second half of the season. They trust him. If they didn't trust him, then they wouldn't have him throwing the ball 25 to 30 times. And Drew Locke will be warming up on the sideline whenever there was a mistake. P- players make mistakes in this game. I'm looking at the best quarterbacks in the league. Right? You got like... 25 guys who have who have legit jobs in this league. Dak Prescott had 15 interceptions. Kirk Cousins had 14. Derek Carr had 14. Matt Ryan, okay. Aaron Rodgers had 12. Mahomes had 12. Burrow had 12. Now, these guys might throw the ball more than Geno in some of these, these instances, but they're still turning the ball over. But these coaches trust them. And I think that Geno's in a spot to where he's good to go. They trust him for the next couple of years. They realize he's probably not the answer in the mm-hmm. long run, mm-hmm. but he will get you to the next step. And to me, the next step is winning a playoff game. I would love for them to go to the Super Bowl and win this whole thing, but I understand how this works. you got to take steps in the right direction. The offense can carry. The defense has to get better. You're not going to get stacked in two no. in one offense. I had someone try to, the defense doesn't need 11 new players. Get your facts straight, Who my guy. That? It's hyperbole. The point is that you are far more removed from being an elite defense than you are removed from being an elite offense. The fact is also that you aren't going to go out in free agency and be able to buy your way to a truly elite defense. Like, it just, it's, it's really, really tough to do that because yeah. you need a lot of pieces. Okay? Yeah. That's the entire point. And also, $18 million is not... Gino's market value. I Look, keep seeing that number out I there. Just, Where'd that number come from? I don't know. I don't know where it came from. I think that I think that the conversation with Gino has become a black or white. Either you think Gino is trash and you want to move on, or you think he's the answer for the future. And I think that where I find the most rational take is that Gino can be a short term answer for you at a yeah. reasonable price. And I don't know why that's controversial. Hella extremely rational. Hella extremely rational. And yeah. I don't know why that's controversial. Like, I don't. It's confusing to me. If you if there was a guy, if you had Joe Burrow in the draft, I'd say take Joe Burrow. Obviously, yeah. obviously that answer is better than Gino. And at a rookie yeah. bargain, oh, my God. But I'm, that answer is not there. I'm okay if you don't want Gino. Yeah, but you're not, absolutely. you're not, you cannot throw 18, you $20 million out there and say, give them that. It doesn't work that you way. You can't do it. All right, you guys. Uh, we are switching gears here, talking Mariners. Who needs to outperform expectations for the Mariners to make the playoffs in 2023? That's next.